KRVN. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. That's right, I'm Clay Patton back in for Susan Littlefield as she enjoys some holiday time with friends and family. Talking the market, so on a close of a Friday is Todd Holtman. That is DTN's lead market analyst. And Todd, I am excited to be able to talk with you. Of course, your in-depth and long-running tenure in the markets. I think this is an exciting time to sit down and discuss this grain trade that we have going on right now. Friday specifically, we've got all the grain segments. It's really coming back into the green. Soybean meal steps back into this market and state takes back leadership role over the soybean oil that we saw on Thursday. Uh, is there any particular market segment that you think warrants the most spotlight attention, though, in this Friday trade? Oh, boy. Well, I think uh, meal is probably the most popular here today, Clay. And, uh, you know, we've seen that leadership role really since about Halloween. Uh, meal started, meals prices started firming. Of course, it's related to the shortage of lysine and the perception that uh, we're going to need more soybean meal and the feed rations for both uh, pork and poultry. And uh, I, I think the interesting thing about this whole situation is there's not a lot of understanding or expertise about lysine in the country out there, to be quite honest. It's very difficult to find too many informed sources about this. So it's a little difficult to guess exactly uh, just how much more meal uh, we can expect uh, in the trade from this situation. So we continue to look mostly at market clues. And so far, it's maintaining a very nice uptrend and uh, has kind of uh, really, as you mentioned, swapped the leadership role from bean oil here, for, at least for a short time. You know, now last week, bean oil started off on a selling path. It really got caught by the bears after that renewable fuel standard kind of knocked on what we could see for renewable diesel. But this week, we've seen some refineries come in. They're talking retrofitting. They're talking expansion. They're wanting to step into this biodiesel market. That's positive for soybean oil. Is this more fun spread action that it's kept its foot on soybean oil, or is it still fundamentals that are keeping the market down? Yeah, I, I highly suspect that the sell-off in December in bean oil was largely uh, speculative in nature. Uh, as you say, long-term especially, the expansion plans for renewable diesel are quite bullish. I think it's fair to have a healthy dose of skepticism about just how quickly these uh, new plants can be built. So, uh, you know, I'll kind of withhold judgment. Uh, there, but, uh, there, there is definitely solid investment coming into the renewable diesel segment from both the oil industry and soybean crushers. And that's what's really, uh, positive and I think exciting for the future demand of bean oil here, uh, as they're really creating a new fuel that is going to be accepted by the petroleum community and, uh, works right in the pipeline with petroleum products. You know, and we have for the longest time been fighting that battle with, uh, we've been fighting that battle with the ethanol and trying to get big oil to, to take ethanol in and to accept it. So I'm excited to hear more comments from more folks sounding like big petroleum is a little bit more open to this renewable diesel front. Back to the soybeans in particular. This morning we see it for the second day in a row. So India is purchasing, uh, soybean oil announced in a USDA flash sale. We also have China stepping back in for their, uh, another round of purchases. Uh, for India, are they concerned? I mean, is palm oil becoming a concern for them, or why are they coming into this market this late in the season for soybean oil? Yeah, well, oil supplies in general have been tight ever since uh, we started crawling out of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, it was the first sector to emerge uh, out of the out of the grain side of the market anyway and, and start pushing higher prices. And so 
We had palm oil production being beat down by the, the COVID situation, and there's still some hangover uh, uh, hurt to production there, although palm oil production is expected to improve uh, the next six months. And then, of course, you know, on the canola side of the market, uh, they got hit with drought very hard in the northwestern plains on the Canadian side of the border also. So uh, soybean oil hasn't had much competition for quite a while here. And so that's been uh, very supportive to things. Overall, in the long run, however, uh, a lot of experts are saying that the long-term outlook for palm oil production is really kind of on a downward path. Those trees are getting older and it takes a lot of labor produce that palm oil. So who's going to be there for this renewable diesel and soybean oil really looks like the most uh, likely source. And, and, and that's what's uh, really, I think, been holding up the soybean prices in spite of, uh, we've seen some active export sales lately, Clay, but overall our purchases from China are down 29% this year and our total sales commitments on soybeans are still down 25%. So uh, it's the export side of soybeans that has the bearish concern. And you're ahead of me on that one. That was my next question was to, okay, kind of give us a scope. You know, we get the feel goods of a daily sale, but really in the bigger picture, where do we stand? Also, when it comes to China, how much more time do we have for them to buy beans from us uh, when we can effectively get them shipped? They've got to have boats uh, on their way from Brazil right now. Uh, when do they step more into that Brazilian supply? Yeah, I, I think the practical answer is we're running out of our last few weeks here. Um, some, sometime probably in mid-January, uh, our, our export sales to China could get pretty quiet. And part of that is because Brazil soybean plant, uh, soybeans got planted earlier this year. They're going to be ready for an early harvest. They've had very good weather through central Brazil. It's a little drier, uh, where the concerns are in the southernmost tip, uh, of Brazil, but the, the general consensus is that Brazil's still on track for a record harvest, getting close to 5.3 billion bushels. So that's a lot of soybeans, and it's it's going to quiet down our markets from the, the Chinese side anyway, uh, probably in the next three to four weeks at the most. Yeah, we're talking with Todd Holdman. He is the lead market analyst with DTN. Todd, we've got about 10 seconds here before we start rounding out on this first segment. Uh, fertilizer prices are high. From the producers you talked to, any thought on soybean and corn acres yet before the current next marketing year? Yeah, uh, I hope we can get a little more uh, than this maybe in the next segment. But uh, overall, I expect the corn-soybean rotation to hold up. The total pie, though, for corn and bean acres, I think, will come down maybe 2 to $3 million. Hey, we still got corn. We still got wheat to talk in as well. Like he said, let's expand this acres conversation. That's all coming up in segment two of the Fontenelle Final Bell. At Fontenelle Hybrids, our dealers make the difference in the products we sell. Here's Fontenelle dealer Kevin Callwhite from Humphrey, Nebraska. We've had wonderful success. We do a lot of field trials, side-by-sides, and test plots to help fine-tune products for our customers' specific needs. I have peace of mind knowing that next year's products will be selected and tested by someone that knows our farms and knows our area and that's fontanelle for more visit fontanelle.com always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labor. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as we talk with Todd Holdman. He is the lead market analyst for DTN. And, uh, Todd, our first conversation, what an in-depth conversation we were able to have on uh, soybeans. Uh, but we ended on a cliffhanger in that we were just starting to, to take this top off of uh, the, the acres conversation that's going to be coming in 2022, giving us a little bit of a preview. But right now, input prices are high. Uh, prices are still somewhat attractive depending on where those input levels are. What are your thoughts here, corn and soybean acres? I mean, are we still in a battle? Are we going to see some fringe acres and maybe wheat, milo, or somewhere else kind of disrupt this pattern we've seen over the last four or five years? Yes, all very good questions. And, of course, uh, it's still a little bit early. It's going to take time to know how this shakes out. Uh, And even when we get the intentions report in March, we still won't know. So we'll be talking about this for a while. But the way I look at it right now, Clay, is that, uh, you know, in 2021, we had roughly 180 million acres of corn and soybeans planted. It was roughly 93 million corn, 87 on soybeans. And keep in mind, that's some of the best pricing opportunities we saw early in the year in a long, long time. And there were almost no prevented acres. So the point I'm getting to is that I don't think we have a lot more acres to expand to in the corn-soybean pie. And this year, where we have shorter wheat supplies and higher wheat prices, and we also have high prices in cotton and sorghum and other uh, uh, competing crops, I think especially in the western Midwest, uh, you're going to see a loss of some of those corn and soybean acres to some of the other things, most notably wheat. Uh, and so... If we take two or three million acres, which is my best guess, out of the 180 million total for corn and soybeans, that doesn't leave us a whole lot. I think roughly we're getting, my early guess is 90 million acres of corn, 87 on beans. I would be glad to see if the two of them got to, you know, even with each other. But I think that's uh, roughly the mix we're looking at. As I've been talking to producers lately uh, around asking them how they feel about the fertilizer situation and everything, of course, they don't like it, but a lot of them got their field work done in fall. A lot of them purchased fertilizer early, kind of smelling that uh, they were afraid of higher costs with the higher corn and bean prices, even before we knew that there was going to be the, the huge disruption that we've seen in fertilizer prices. And I, and I know that's not everybody. But there seems to be a confidence that at least the supplies will be available generally. Now, we'll see if that it works out to be true or not. But I think here in the U.S., uh, given the love we have for corn and the strong preference for corn, I still think we'll be close to a 50-50 uh, mix with soybeans on that. Where the fertilizer situation comes into play, I think, is outside of North America uh, there could be a possibility of either lower plantings due to the expensive fertilizer costs in corn uh, or just lack of, of, of uh, the complete fertilizer applications. They might try to get by with less fertilizer uh, in other countries. And so when Brazil starts planting their second crop here in the next month or two and Argentina uh, gets around to their later crop, uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see, number one, if the planning stay up. Of course, we'll be watching La Nina conditions. Uh, is it going to be dry in those areas? Uh, but also, are we going to see a hit to their production levels because of the possible uh, less use of fertilizer this year? So it's a big, complicated topic with a lot of moving parts. 
John, and you brought it up several times there as well. South America currently in there, uh, they've they've got a first round of beans planted right now. That's kind of the major part of the crop. Some corn in there, uh, but it, and I believe it was a DTN article I saw earlier this week. Some satellite imagery showing us we've got some crop stress in southern Brazil. Yeah, uh, in particular, the the southernmost province of Rio Grande do Sul uh, seems to be in tough condition, and there's some other states, uh, perhaps in Paraná. Uh, and I believe Santa Catarina are, are a couple other areas where uh, it could be a bit drier there. Now, I think the soybean crop will skate by because it's really enjoyed the bulk of the rainy season. But uh, when they, they plant the second corn crop, I think that's the one, that's the crop that's going to be more vulnerable to these drier conditions. And if the La Nina influence bears out the way it usually does, it should be a drier season in southern Brazil. So that's going to be back-to-back dry seasons for Brazil because, of course, their uh, for, uh, for safrina corn crop last year was definitely impacted by a dry yeah. round. Do we see similar type price reaction to that just on a concern of another round of tight global balance sheets? Uh, y- yeah. Overall, I think globally, uh, corn demand is, is going to hold up very well this year and uh, is, is going to keep prices well supported. Uh, this year, our export competition really isn't coming from Brazil. As you mentioned, they got hit earlier this year with drought. But we are getting competition from Ukraine, and especially in regards to China's purchases. Again, Todd Holtman, he is DTN's lead market analyst. And, Todd, we appreciate it. You can follow Todd on social media. Thank you, Todd, for being on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids for their continuing support of this program. And do remember, trading futures and options involve trading risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch us again as a podcast, RollRadioNetwork.com.